There's something curious about this broadcast. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, and we have main engine start. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and liftoff. This is TGP nominal. Extra. All systems remain nominal. 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 Hello everybody and welcome to TGP Nominal Extra. It's April and that normally means Yuri's Night is coming up, and of course, it is. But this month, UK Astronomy have created a free online festival called Astronomy in April, which TGP Nominal is proud to be part of. Returning to the show is Russ Hockham from UK Astronomy to bring us his guide to the skies for April, and later on in the show to give us a rundown from the Astronomy in April Festival. How are you doing, sir? Very well. Much better now. I said returning because you've been away for a couple of episodes, haven't you? Unfortunately, I have, yeah. Unfortunately, I got the COVID. Myself and my wife weren't very well in January, but we survived, we got through it, and then it decided to leave me with an annoying cough for at least another month. If I just got over it, it comes and goes. So luckily at the moment, it's not tickling me. <laughs> so I've been off the radar. <laughs> now, whilst you were away, we had your stand-in for a little while, Will Chung, and he did a really good job. He was a little bit worried about stepping on toes and things, but we made a joke of saying that it had the, the Hockham seal of approval. <laughs> He's always welcome to do it. I've always said that to him. He's always welcome. I thought I was going to come back and they'd be like, oh, we don't want you anymore, Ross. Will's better. <laughs> <laughs> so, because we've got a lot going on in this episode, we're going to go into a short break, and then when we come back, let's crack on with the Sky Guide. Sixty years ago, Yuri Gagarin brought humanity to space. Forty years ago, the shuttle brought reusability. And twenty years ago, we launched Yuri's Night. Join us for the planet's biggest celebration of space, uniting astronauts, musicians, artists, scientists, and you. Connect, participate, celebrate. The party starts April 10th. For more info, go to yurisnight.net. On canvas with paint in the artist's school, it is red that is hot and blue that is cool. But in science we show, as the heat gets higher, a star will glow red like the coals of a fire. Raise the heat some more, and what is in sight? Behold, the star glows bright white. But the hottest of all, I say unto you, is neither red nor white when a star has turned blue. This is TGP Nominal. So the actual skies, loads on the moon, which we like because people can see the moon really easily. So let's we'll start with the planet Mars. It's still up in our sky. can be seen from pretty much sunset until it sets around midnight. Although still bright, you'll be pretty lucky to, if you see any detail on the planet itself. We're going to have to wait at least a year, if not slightly longer, to get actually good views of the God of War because we are moved way past it now, it's best. So yeah, probably another year and a half or so. But it's still up in the sky, nice blood red planet for you to see. The other planets, Jupiter and Saturn, they've now moved into the morning sky. So just before the sun rises, you may be able to spot these low-lying planets on a sort of southeastern horizon. Just be careful because you will be looking near the sun. So don't look at the sun, we always say that. It's bad for your eyes. They're the real only planets around at the moment that are good to see. They are starting to rise up, so hopefully we'll get them better. So let's go on to the actual dates. So we've got the 6th of April, and the two gas giants we just spoke about will be joined by a crescent moon slightly to their right-hand side. Saturn will be slightly higher to its left, with Jupiter further to its right. A lovely morning view to start the day. Pop out there, see two gas giants and a crescent moon. It's wicked. 
Uh, moving on to the next day, again, if you're up early and have a clear southeastern horizon, you may notice how the moon has moved from its position yesterday. So it would have passed under Saturn and started heading for Jupiter. So you got another chance in case it was cloudy to pop out and see the gas giants and the moon together. We're now going to skip ahead to the 19th and again have a look at the moon tonight. There's a crater there called Albertaginius and it looks like a smiley face looking back at you. It's quite weird how the shadow kind of goes across the actual crater itself. There's kind of like a smiley face at the bottom of it and two eyes that are two other craters. So that's really cool to see. And if you need to see how to find it, Mark will put these notes all up with pictures and slides as well, all on the TGP nominal, so you can find it all there quite easily. So that's a cool crater for you to look out for. The 19th to the 20th is a great chance to see the mountain on the moon. So you've got Montes Apennines, or Apennines. I say Apennines because they're actually named after the Apennine Mountains on Earth. It's a huge mountain range that can be seen really well over the next couple of nights. And as the sun hits one side of it, it casts a shadow across the other side. And it really brings out this cool range, sort of like a 3D picture. So you've got a nice smiley face one night, and then a mountain range the next. Moving on to the 20th, you've got some more eyes to look at instead of a smiley face. So it's the eyes of Clavius. So if you get it just right tonight on the 20th, when you peek at the moon, you may be able to see the sunlight glint off the two small craters that are actually within this crater. And it creates the illusion of two eyes peeking out from the shadows at you. And it's really cool to see. So you've got the crater itself and then two little ones inside. If we move to the next night, so you've got the 21st. This time, it's the turn of Plato's hook to cast a shadow into this crater. So it's all about craters and shadows at the moment. So on the moon, it creates like a hook inside of the crater. I think it looks more like a sort of praying mantis's claw myself. That's where I like to look at it, but I've got things for bugs for some reason. I don't know why. So that's quite a cool crater to have a look at. Right, moving away from the moon now. The 21st to the 23rd, there's a couple of nights. You've got the Lyrid Meteor Shower. It peaks over the space of a few nights. Although it is active from the 14th to the 30th of April, they're at their best around about this sort of time. Unfortunately, they are best at 1pm, which is during the day on the 22nd. So that's not going to be a good time to look for them, because <laughs> you'll have the sun in the way. But they're saying, try the night either side, because they will be peaking at their best around there. So it's suggested to pop out then, the night before, the night after, so 21st, 22nd, 23rd. Why not trial free? Go out and have a look, because you might see more shooting across the sky. They radiate just to the right-hand side of the bright star Vega which is in the constellation Lyra, which is like a diagonal with a big star at the top, which is a Vega. Awesome blue star. If you've got a telescope, go have a look at it. It's a really cool blue star to see. The actual meteor shower itself is about 10 to 15 per hour, so it's not a massive one, but you should see quite a few more extra. Unfortunately, there is going to be a bit of glare from the moon, which is up because we were looking at it a couple of nights ago. It's still there. But saying that, there have been some quite big fireballs reported last month, and considering March, is a month of no meteor showers. It just goes to show that you never know what you may, you know, you may see up in the sky as you look out. It's been a lot of activity for some reason. We don't know why. I'm hoping that you know somebody might come out and say that we've gone through something, just a ball of dust and stuff that we didn't know about. But yeah, there's been some really good reported fireballs, and I think a couple have actually landed, haven't they? What I've seen in the group. I think it was in Gloucestershire, I think one of them was in that area. Yeah. There was another one around in the Dorset, Wiltshire area. Is that the one that was during the day? Nobody actually yeah. saw it, but there was a huge sonic boom, and nobody could understand what this noise was. Then it was pointed out that it could be a meteorite. Yeah, because in the Facebook group, someone actually went on there in our group and said, oh, did anyone just hear that sonic boom? 
said, I know it's not astronomy related, it might have been a plane or something like that. And people were looking up jets and things, but they weren't any in the area. So they were kind of going, well, what was it? And then I think I saw a, uh, a car cam and it showed it in the day sky popping and going green as it went down. There you go. There's something going on that we don't know about. So pop out and have a look. The, the one previously in Gloucestershire, somebody caught it on their ring doorbell thing. Yes, yeah. And people have been going out scavenging, trying to find bits that might have come off it. Yep. And remember to follow government guidelines. If it's landed in your local area, that's okay. <laughs> Which is a shame because they would have found loads of bits. And I think people are talking about how do you stand that if you find it, do you own it? Or do you have to give it in to someone or... I think it depends on how big it is, to be honest. Yeah. I think it was me. If I found I'd, I'd probably give it in because the amount of research they say that they can get off of it is really helpful. So yeah, meteor shower and fireballs happening at the moment. You never know. So if we go to the 22nd now and back to the moon, it's time to take a peek at what's known as the jeweled handle, which is another smaller sort of mountainous area known as Montes Jura. And when the sun hits it just right, it kind of sticks right out of the shadows from the darker mare around it, giving it its name. So that's a really cool thing to see. In fact, some people have taken pics and put it in the group and gone, what is this? I don't know what this is. I've just noticed this on the moon. And they're like, ah, that's the old jeweled handle. It's awesome. Like, oh, I didn't even know that existed. Right, if we move to the 23rd now, there's a comet called 2020 R4 Atlas. So it's actually quite easy one to pronounce. Comets are usually quite difficult for me. <laughs> As we know, pronunciation of some of these words is not my best trait, but it is predicted to maybe come in range for moderate telescope users on this day. Its closest approach will be on the 23rd of April, and it starts the month in the morning sky close to the sun. By tonight, it would have transferred into the evening sky. It's moving quite quickly, so it's going to spend the next few nights flying through the south of Hercules on the 20th, being just below the star Massam on Hercules' arm. You can see it there if you've got Stellarium be just below that then moving up through boots or booties as some people like to call it passing it by about the 30th and then continuing into the next month so they think it's going to get around magnitude 8 or 9 so it's well worth a hunt with a moderate telescope they are saying small telescopes might be able to see it as well so have a look there you've got the whole month to try and see this comet but it's best on that date right on to the 25th and this is a little challenge for you because as you watch the sunset in the evening you may if you're lucky spot the elusive mercury we only say it's elusive because it's quite close to the sun, so it can only really be seen at its best when it's kind of at its greatest elongation, so the greatest point where it goes up in the sky really high, and then it starts going back down towards the sun again. So it might be easier to spot this morning because Venus is there as well. So Venus will probably be the easier one to spot, as we know, in the western sky. As the sun sets, it's brighter, and it'll be pretty low. So it is quite low on the horizon, so you're gonna need a nice clear horizon to see it. And it's gonna be just around two o'clock of the planet, Venus. You may be able to spot little Mercury there. Obviously, the, the later it gets, the better it gets, but they also get low. So it's a little challenge for you in the evening to go out and see if you can spot these other two planets. So you've got morning planets and evening planets, and then Mars. Last but not least, on the 30th, tonight's moon holds a couple of cool, bright craters known as Messier. It's actually Messier A and Messier B from what I can see, or Messier and Messier A. They'll seem to glint out of the mare. Now I'm going to have to pronounce this one. Fecun ditatis. That's how I'm going to say it. <laughs> I think it means fertility or something like that. So there's two craters there called Messier. They're quite small, but they're relatively young and it's kind of like a lunar impact crater and it's got a kind of strange oblong shape to it if you look closer. Well, I've got a picture that will be on the notes for you. And they reckon, it's theorised, that the Messier crater was actually formed by an impact at like a very low angle, and that Messier A 
could have then been formed following a rebound. So it's like a kind of hit at an angle, bound off and hit again. So it's created two sort of like impacts that are kind of weird shaped. And they really do shine out from the Mare, so they look really cool. So on the 30th, see if you can spot these two and then look it up on Google because they're actually quite a strange crater. They're not kind of the norm that you see. So there you go, that's that's my little guide to the sky. There will probably be more coming out, hopefully, and some stuff going on with the festival that we will talk about in a bit. So clear skies and hope you find stuff. So usually at this point, Ross brings us some objects of the month, but as you can tell, he's been pretty busy with this festival. So we had a special guest come in. Have a listen to this. My name is Dan Pye, and I'm one of the astronomers at the Kielder Observatory, and I love NGC 45. It's a galaxy, which has also got a couple of other familiar names, such as Lost Galaxy or my favourite, which is the Hairy Eyebrow Galaxy. The reason why I love this, it's quite a small object to see, but if you have a large telescope, then you should be able to make this out no problem because it is quite a bright object. It's a galaxy which sits about 55 million light years away from Earth. It's a lenticular galaxy, so being a lenticular galaxy, it is quite bright. And in fact, actually, it was more famed with a supernova explosion in the mid-90s as captured by Hubble. So there's some beautiful artwork that exists about this galaxy as well. But the reason why I love it is because it's perfectly framed in between these two reasonably bright stars. So you have two bright stars right next to each other, and then moving diagonally between those two stars is this wonderful elliptical haze, which is the Hairy Eyebrow Galaxy, an incredible thing to see, perfectly framed, beautiful, and 55 million light years away from us. So that was Dan Pye with his Object of the Month, NGC 4526. Now, you've just had a little look at that, haven't you, Ross? Yeah, nice lenticular galaxy. It's really cool looking. It's got loads of clouds all around it. It's kind of at an angle. It's not one I'm familiar with, I'm not going to lie, because it's quite faint and it's quite hard to see, I'd imagine. But he's got an observatory there, so he's a lucky man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a cool looking galaxy, I like it. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of TGP Nominal and its infinite mission to explore space, science, and technology news to explore the world of sci-fi, comic-cons, and gaming to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. So how did astronomy in April come about? Well, it didn't exist about two months ago. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But I was having a chat with some friends of like Will and other people and I was sitting there thinking, right, it's kind of the end of the astronomy season in a way because, you know, the darker skies kind of end in around about April-ish. We always say October to March are the best times for the dark skies. You can still do stuff in the summer, there's still loads to see, but people don't want to be out at one or two in the morning, do they? <laughs> So we sat there and thought, well, everyone's in lockdown, everyone's fed up, it's end of the astronomy season. I was like, let's just do a festival. And I was thinking, April, astronomy in April, that sounds good, let's go for that. So that's how it kind of started, it was just a, let's go for it. And then Will got on board, you got on board, we've got Janelle, the NASA ladies got on board. We've now got Agni, a proper astronomer, on board. <laughs> I just put the idea out there and everyone just started mucking in and jumping in, going, yeah, I'll do a talk, oh yeah, I'll do this, yeah, I'll do that. So then it came down to me to try and fit <laughs> all these talks in all around the April area. And as you know, my day job's a firefighter, so I had to do it around my shifts as well, so I could kind of be there to support people. 
And what can we expect from the festival? 26 talks, so I won't go through them all. Some are pre-recorded, some are live, but they're all going to be kind of put together and hopefully recorded and put on our YouTube anyway, so if anyone misses any, they'll be there forever. I'm going to do a load of pre-recorded ones, which are about the days of the week, because they're all named after planets, or the sun, like Sunday, Moon Day. And I actually learned quite a lot myself about going through and finding out why they were. Most of it's sort of Norse and Roman. So they'll be recorded, and they'll be put on on the day that they are for. Probably about a 15-minute little talk with facts about the planet, or whatever object it is, and things like that. We've also got the What's Up in April Sky Guide that we've just done. So that's there for the whole month, so you can actually go out in your gardens and look up and find things. I'm going to be doing a solar system talk. So that's my talk that I give to communities and schools and things like that. So that one's not going to be recorded, unfortunately, because that's my main talk that I take out to show schools and things. So you've got the chance to see it for free if you want to. <laughs> I say free without a donation, because we ask for a donation usually wherever we go, just to help us run, especially through these times. So yeah, Solar System Talk taking you from the Sun to Pluto, all about the planets. And I believe Mark has actually sat in once or twice and listened to it, so he can vouch for it. <laughs> and you've roped me in because you basically said, if there's something that I don't know, maybe Mark would. And I thought, oh, cheers, Ross. Yep, I'm very good with the old slopey shoulders. Very good. It's either Mark, Will or Google. <laughs> There's Stargazing for Beginners, so that's with Will Photography, because that's his page, very good photographer. And he's going to give you a guide of sort of like some of the key objects in the night sky over the coming month as well, and how to spot them. So there'll be different things to what we spoke about in the April skies. There's Fun Fact for Kids, which is our youngest volunteer, eight-year-old Aston, who's written his own book at eight years old about the solar system. He's going to do a little talk. Generally, it's just going to be whatever he likes, but that'll be fun. We've got Dark Sky Week as well, so Will's going to be doing a talk on the 12th. That's Dark Sky Week because he's part of the IDA, so the International Dark Sky Association, I believe it's called, because he's Northumberland based, and he's trying to get a, uh, a town there, the first Dark Sky town, because I think they've got villages, but not towns. So he's very passionate about that. So he's going to tell you where you can go, great locations around the UK, highlight some of the best places to visit, maybe places you can stay that aren't too expensive and things like that to actually go and see a dark sky because there's nothing like seeing a proper dark sky and all the stars. We have got Yuri's Night, of course. Of course. Of course. That's on the 10th, isn't it? That's right. So what we're planning is a kind of a questions and answers session. We're calling it 60 Years and Beyond, kind of a Buzz Lightyear reference. We're going to be talking about Yuri's Night itself, because people might not know what Yuri's Night is, and its other manifestations, because it's also known as Cosmonautics Day in Russia. The UN have now classed it as International Day of Human Spaceflight. The other topics are from Yuri Gagarin onwards up to the, the shuttle program, then from the shuttle program up to the International Space Station and then the International Space Station and beyond. So that's the kind of subjects we're going to be covering. So if anybody's got any questions for us about human spaceflight, get in touch and we can answer your questions for you. I'm sure I'll be asking a few. <laughs> I don't know anything about that side of it. So that's why Mark always comes in there. So I'll definitely be listening to that one. We've also got a few guests coming on. Also, the founder of Yuri's Night, Loretta Whitesides, is going to be pre-recording an introduction, keynote, speech so that should be cool fantastic so that's, that's going to be one of the biggest ones and it's on the weekend as well so you've got no excuse not to listen <laughs> we've got aurora in the uk if anyone knows will or has seen will and his work 
He loves the aura. It's his thing. He goes to Iceland. He'd travel anywhere and try and take pictures of the wonderful aurora. So he's going to tell you how you can see it. Can you see it in the UK? How you can take pictures of it? Because he's an aurora chaser, isn't he? So it's like a storm chaser, but for space storms, I'm guessing. And he's now involved with this uh, citizen science program called Aurorasaurus. Oh, I love that. Aurorasaurus is brilliant. Have you seen the picture for it as well? It's like a dinosaur and it's like, <laughs> it's got a little fin with an aurora going down its back. Brilliant. Will's also going to be doing astrophotography for beginners. So DSLR cameras and smartphones, if you've got one and you don't know what you're doing, jump on there, that's on the 17th, and he's going to give you a very, very rough guide of how you can take pictures of things and do bits. There might be a bit of processing as well. That's Will's expertise, so I'll leave him to <laughs> tell people about that. We've also got Spring Constellations by Richard J. Bartlett. So he's in America at the moment, but he's Luton-born. So he's doing a little pre-recorded guide all about the Spring Constellation because he actually writes his own books and guides. So if you want to pop on Amazon and look up Richard J. Bartlett, he does some amazing guides. I've got them all. What else do we have? International Earth Day, and this is in partnership with the Parks Trust, Milton Keynes, because they asked me to do something for their sort of nature day that they do. I think that's in sort of June, July. They do like a nature week or month. They've kind of incorporated astronomy into their nature day now, which I think is really cool. It's the night sky nature so they do like a bat walk maybe and then astronomy and things like that so yeah so i'm going to be talking all about earth which is going to be difficult because it's not the one i know about because i don't really look at it because i'm on it but there's plenty to talk about on there and then we've got exploring the universe that's going to be me and will kind of just mopping up everything else that we haven't covered over the month and just talking about all sorts of things like you know black holes and star globular clusters and galaxies and things like that so it's really just going to be a chat with me and will talking to each other about all the crazy stuff out there and if people are commenting as well we can answer questions and talk to them so it's kind of like an open chat Janelle, NASA Solar System Ambassador, she's doing two. She's doing a strawberry DNA experiment and how DNA can change in space or long-term space flight. Will it change our DNA? And is it possible to see DNA? So she's actually going to do an experiment using strawberries whilst teaching you about DNA and space, which I think is cool. And then probably one of the favourites is the Oreo moon phases. So you've got to grab yourself a packet of Oreos and she's going to teach you how to make the moon phases with Oreos. So I'm guessing probably taking bites out of them. So if you like Oreos, that's a fantastic one to get involved with. We're going to be streaming sort of live moon talks as well. So if it is clear and we're not doing a talk and the moon's out, we are going to stream live straight through a telescope and talk about the moon so you can actually get on and see it yourself. We've got Agni, a proper astronomer. She's from Durham University or Durham. I keep saying it wrong. And she's going to share a with us what she does actually for a living, which is being an astronomer. So all her work, her research, what it entails, including dark matter and galaxies and things like that, and opportunities to ask questions as well. So it'd be really cool to meet her and chat to her, and I'm quite looking forward to that one, because it's one I take a sort of step back and listen and learn myself, and then ask the questions that you know maybe I don't know or the public doesn't know. So yeah, it'd be really cool chatting to her. Durham University, one of their specialities is dark matter. I've mentioned Dan Pye earlier in the show. He used to run an establishment called the Dark Matter Cafe. It was a, a geeky cafe. It was awesome. I went there a couple of times and it was good fun. That's the reason why it's called the Dark Matter Cafe, because of Durham's connection with the research into dark matter. Awesome. So yeah, that's astronomy in April, really. It's just to get people outside looking up at the sky, learning things, and sitting there maybe on a day going, oh, I'm bored, I'm stuck in again. Oh, maybe I'll just listen to this for half hour, 20 minutes, an hour, depending on how long it is. And it might, you know, give me a little bit of a, yeah, do you know what? Life isn't that bad. 
Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spamheadproductions.weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. So, Ross... Thanks again for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure having you on. Thanks for having me. Hopefully I'll be around next month and the month after that and the month after that. (laughs) No more dipping out. Yeah, hopefully we're going to have a great time with the festival. It's going to be amazing. So if this is the first time that you've come across TGP Nominal, I hope that you enjoyed your time here and um, go check us out. Information about how to get in touch with us and where to find us at the end of the show and before i leave you i'd just like to say my usual thing and that is stay safe everybody thanks for listening and we'll speak to you all again real soon and as will chung would say i wish you clear skies guys and remember there's a billion worlds in your backyard well that about wraps it up for this episode of tgp nominal if you want to get in touch with us then send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com where your input is our output or click the social media icons at the top left of the page over at tgpnominal.weebly.com if you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts you can do so via itunes the rss feed and also stitcher and tune in on demand radio And you can listen to me going solo, bringing you the latest in movies and home theater for regular people in the Widescreen podcast over at widescreen.org. Don't forget to rate and review us. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages. And don't forget to spread the word about us. Station. This is Houston ACR. Thank you. That concludes the event.